Welcome back to I'm Open. This is part two of my conversation with Dick Brescia. Today we're going to be talking about whether the Super Bowl is coming to Netflix, what it's like to meet Secretariat, and my very first football game. All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. And so the, the interesting thing in hearing you tell the, the story about, you know, with, with Buck and the World Series and, and with, with uh, Major League Baseball is, you know, today still sports are probably the most valuable television live entertainment product because in terms of now we have Netflix, now we have all these different streaming services. People can basically watch whatever they want, whenever they want on their phone, on their computer, on their iPad. and the one difference, though, the one outlier is sports. And if you don't watch sports live, you miss it, right? It's too late. I mean, yeah, sometimes you and I, because we're obsessed, we'll go back and watch a tape back. But it's so important to watch sports live, and that's why the bidding goes up to these high, high numbers. So, And remember, let me interrupt you here, yeah. that all of those venues that you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, are potential bidders. As in well. the future, yes. So that adds more to the competition. Absolutely. And like mm-hmm. that's, I was just talking with some friends about this the other day because actually now like Disney is trying to push in on Netflix's turf and they're creating their own streaming service. Net, so I bet like Disney Plus, I think it's called Netflix. I'm sure the next time the Super Bowl contract is up, the March Madness contract is up, I bet we're going to see those types of bidders, online streaming services now trying to come in and maybe – poach these these high priced items now you're in terms of your mentality and your strategy in this bidding thing now if it's the super bowl right that's the biggest sporting event of the year at least in the united states right if you're talking about the masters it's the biggest golf tournament of the year so for those types of things would you ever go in with a mentality like we're not losing this no matter what i'll pay any price just to make sure that we get it and not nbc or abc or fox or somebody else or was there a price where you just thought this is not worth it, even if it is something like the Super Bowl that, you know, you know there's only one a year and it really is going to be a huge money maker? But was there a point where you said this is this could be too much money? Well, to spend? the the the, um, uh, the difference between um, uh, the Masters and the Super Bowl uh, is that the Super Bowl is part of a of a league package. So it isn't just what you don't bid on just the Super Bowl. You bid on a package of NFL games. With the Masters, you bid on the Masters. It's just, and it's a one time uh, operation. Obviously, very quality, very high. Uh, value uh, to uh, to sports fans and and the value to CBS CBS Television and and it was to CBS Radio as well, uh, but but uh, the, uh, the the Super Bowl winds up being shared as it is now with CBS and Fox and and NBC and ABC so it rotates mm-hmm. through. If you get more people that are involved, then it's up to the league to make the decision how high how high can we go. I think that the um, the new entities that are bidding are looking for a piece of the pie. They're not looking for we just want the Super Bowl or we just want the playoffs. 
they want to get their foot in the door. And so they'll take a Thursday night game, or they'll take whatever it is that's available to them, or they'll take the the games from Europe or so, anything to become part of the NFL family. And so you're obviously going to be open to them. The, uh, the people like the Masters, um, they will obviously entertain um, any bids that want to come in, but they have been uh, a, a great partner with CBS for years. That doesn't mean that they'll stay there all the time. They're, they're going to do what's best for the um, for the for that tournament. Um, but they're with 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 a lot of um, reasons for it. That they're a very prideful organization. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and they're, you know, they limit the amount of commercials that can be played. Um, and they know that there's a lot of people who want to be part of it. And so I think that the, that the masters are comfortable with protecting their image, obviously making a profit. And remember, the masters also has a great worldwide uh, appetite with, with golf fans all over the world. So there's more than just the rights to the United States that they would be that they would be looking at, their value goes internationally as well. So, yeah. So, and another thing I've wondered about, which you kind of touched on. So, for college football, for example, I know that the different networks have direct um, sort of contracts with conferences, right? So, like the SEC has a deal with CBS. Um, Fox has a deal with the Big 12 and the Big 10. NBC has, has Notre Dame, right? But for, for the NFL, it's sort of like they split the pie. You have CBS, you have Fox, you have NBC, and you have ESPN who all play NFL games. So say, like we know ESPN, they always get Monday Night Football. Does ESPN know which game is going to be on Monday Night Football or the NFL decides for them? Because that, that would kind of affect your bid. Like for example, this year, We've had a lot of terrible Monday night football games. They keep putting the Browns on Monday night football like every week. It turns out they still suck. Um, they, they put the Jets on Monday night football last week. They got crushed. They put the Dolphins on Monday night football. I mean, if I was ESPN and I had bid whatever you're saying, $500 million on Monday night football, and I said, what the hell? You left me with the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Browns on Monday night football? This isn't what I, I paid for. So how does that sort of dynamic work out? I think there's a, um, um, a, a discussion early on when the, when the bidding's going to take place. But go back to what you said earlier in the show here. Um, when the season began, the prospect of a Monday night football game between, um, Tom Brady and Bill Jump Belichick and yeah. the, and the, um, New England Patriots and the New York Jets, that was a hot ticket. That's before the first kickoff. And um, so I, I, they couldn't have a complaint about that. Yeah. Now, where the Patriots were when that Monday night game appeared and where the Jets were, they couldn't predict that's what it was going to be. Their anticipation was that the Jets would be on the ascendancy and would be challenging. So I'm sure when they first saw the schedule, they said, oh, boy. This is going to be terrific. Mm -hmm. So that's that happens in football, though. You know. So is that something that's sort of a collaboration, a conversation between ESPN and the NFL? They say this game kind of looks good for us. Patriots, Jets, like you said, beginning of the season, two big markets, Boston and New York rivals. 
Um, so do you think there was a sort of give and take where ESPN kind of highlighted that? No, game not 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 in the beginning. I think that um, that that what what ESPN does or what the NFL does is say these are going to be our Monday night games. So the NFL decides because they they have to you know they have to look, take care of the schedules as it affects each of the teams too. You can't have someone play on a Monday and a Thursday. That doesn't work very well. No. So at any rate, the NFL has to lay the schedule out. And then they present it to the to the networks, but they do it based on what what happened the previous year. Now last year there was a lot of lousy games on. Uh, I guess it was Thursday night. I forget which yeah, one Thursday it was. Yeah, Thursday night football was awful. And, um, and and there would, and so the networks would then say to the NFL, "You've got to do something to beef up this part of the." Um, and they they would make this request that they yeah. do something to do that, yeah. which is uh, a legitimate request because they're paying a lot of money for those things, and it's and it's part of the um, the profit picture for the um, for the NFL. And so the NFL takes that into consideration when they're putting the schedule together. Yeah, we got to we got to try to find some interesting. Uh, uh, games matchups between between teams for for Thursday night or for the Sunday morning in in Europe and things like that but they're getting input from the networks that are paying for that stuff but there's no they don't sit around the table and say to the networks this is what we're going to do and then the networks say I don't want that game I want this it'd be impossible to put a schedule together so because especially with all the networks no no, the NFL has to first of all Uh, do it, uh, control what the schedule is going to be based on, um, uh, obviously they want it to be of interest to the viewers, but they also want to protect the players. So they have to be concerned about making sure there's enough space between games for players to recover and move on. And it makes sense to, like, to what you're saying because... If the NFL let every single stakeholder say, oh, no, we don't want this game, or we want this game, we don't want this game, I mean, first of all, it would just be a total mess, and then it's, what would, we would just have the Cowboys, Packers, and Patriots all playing a little round robin every week or something, right, basically, Um, and, but obviously, like you're saying, the NFL does have a big incentive to listen to the stakeholders, Oh yeah, and like the Thursday night football thing, I didn't even really think about it until you brought it up. But like last year, the football, uh, the Thursday night football slate was trash. It was not fun to watch at all. This year, it's been really good. There's been a lot of really competitive games on Thursday night football where we've been seeing good teams out. You know, good games, good teams. So obviously, I guess it kind of self corrects over time, and the NFL sort of recognizes they need to keep everybody happy. Remember, they all the NFL is also under um, a certain amount of pressure. To uh, provide, they want to provide the best games. Mm. So obviously, you're going to see the Cowboys, and you're going to see the Packers, and you're going to see the Patriots numerous times. They're great teams. They're from great cities. You'll even see the Giants, my team, mm-hmm, my team. Uh, probably more than they deserve to be on, because they have a great reputation, and it's from New York City. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, the, you know, the NFL has to think about, I've got to try to get all of these 30 teams, 32 to whatever it is, uh, on some sort of a national exposure to help them in their own local markets as well. So um, 
they're trying to balance that too. Sometimes people get left out, um, but that's usually because they're so bad, yeah. and, and which means they probably wouldn't attract an, an, an audience. But uh, for the most part, they do try to make sure that everybody gets a little shot at the at the marquee games. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton to balance. There's a ton of mouths to feed, like uh-huh. you said, and. <clears throat> Overall, they got, they do a pretty good job. I would not want to be one of those guys just to come up with the whole schedule logistically when you think of traveling, home games, away games, days off, resting, bye weeks, networks. I mean, there's so many moving parts and pieces. I would not want to have that job. I'm sure they've got, you know, Excel sheets at the wazoo trying to figure out which games are going to work. So, and like even the Dolphins who might not win a game this whole season, even they have gotten to go on Monday night. So they do a pretty good job of like keeping everybody happy and at least giving every team one shot to, to kind of have a national audience, which is, which is impressive. And remember the, the key word you used there was audience too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to, uh, they have to appeal to the audience. So they have to put something together that is, that people want to watch. Absolutely. You're listening to I'm Open. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, and follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod. Enjoy the rest of the show. That was so awesome. For me, personally, and for all the I'm Open family around the world to hear about really the, the, the business details, because we always say sports is our, sport is a business, you know, basketball is a business, football is a business. Some, I think people always just assume they're talking about trades and, and paying players, which is a big part of the business, but a huge part of the business that people don't even think about is the, and we just sit back, sit on our ass, you know, eat our popcorn and drink our... Our, our beer and don't consider like all the different people in terms of negotiating, getting the deals set up, signing contracts, signing with all the different talent, all the different, you know, announcer, you know, announcers like Tony Romo. When he went to CBS, I know there was probably a bidding war for who's going to get Tony Romo to, to come and, and be their new announcer. So, I mean, that's all the behind the scenes that goes into just letting you just sit back and just enjoy a game on a on a Sunday or a or a Monday or I guess a Thursday. Well, too. that that all that's an important part of the formula. Yeah, uh, so for for enjoyment for the for the fans to enjoy the game. It's big, and we're lucky as fans that we sort of just get to be sort of shielded or ignorant about that. Don't have to worry about you know, like you said, whether Jack Buck or Tony Romo or. Ian Eagle or whoever is going to renew their contract and we just kind of get to or whether, you know, NFL is going to be Sunday night on NBC or somewhere else. We just kind of get to sit back and just enjoy the show, which is fun for us. Now, you, through these experiences, through your time at CBS, through CBS broadcast partners, got to meet some really awesome characters can you just share with us, and this is super open-ended, but can you just share with us a couple of your favorite stories or a couple of the favorite people that you got to meet uh, through this experience and through your many different events that you worked with CBS, C- with the CBS? Uh, somebody asked me that um, a while ago, um, and it was phrased a little differently, and they said, um, the most impressive uh, athlete that I met in terms of um, not only star power, but uh, physique. Mm. And I 
so I had a uh, uh, I had a, a a two-way tie okay for first place and and they were this is my personal because I've met these people personally them, yeah. and and them. so the two people that impressed me the most and we're just saying right now to the I'm open family around the world if he doesn't mention maybe your favorite athlete your hero I'm, I'm not gonna we're not we're, this is not a, no offense to you these are people that Dick has had the great pleasure of meeting and and so that's why it's a personal moment and it's a it's a great chance for you to it's a story that you have. Right? Okay. Um, uh, the first one is Secretariat. Wow. And that's a horse, for everybody who didn't know. Secretariat yeah. is a horse, a legendary triple crown champion horse. I was um, I was at the uh, NCAA basketball tournament. Um, so Secretariat uh, was... And was, Secretariat is in Lexington, Kentucky. Of course, okay. And um, The home of horse, and, the and, capital of the horse racing world. And, 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 it's, and, there's, and there's a little corral... Um, and I was arranged for um, uh, my wife and I uh, to go out for a private meeting. We went with another uh, a, a man and his daughter. Yeah. To um, meet Secretariat, and we um, we parked our car. We were met by the, the groom that was taking us into the back, and there was a a big corral uh-huh. uh, with different horses, and, and and one of the horses was lying on its back, kicking its feet in the air, and the um, the groom said to me, which one is Secretariat? And I pointed to the one kicking his legs in the air. And he said, you're right. How do you know? Uh, I, I just figured he was. At any rate, he had Secretariat come over to us so that we could pat him on the nose. But he said, be careful because, you know, he's a high-strung uh, horse. And I would swear that the Secretariat was looking at us and kind of smiling a little bit. I mean, it was so impressive. He was such a beautiful animal. And um, so we, we just stood there and admired him, and he kind of stared back at us a little bit. And and um, uh, Secretariat was uh, one of the great experiences of my life watching sports when he won the Belmont Stakes by about 143 laps or something <laughs> like that. Um, and uh, so here he was looking at us and and, and having a, um, a a nice time, you know, kind of kidding around with us a little bit, and, uh, and, and and almost human. He was just a spectacular animal. And the um, and the and the groom took him, one of his tail feathers out and um, and handed it to the little girl and who was all excited about it. And they said to me, "Do you want one?" And for some reason or other. I thought it was hurting the secretary. Yeah. I said no. I should have. I should have said yes. Yeah. But secretary, a magnificent, magnificent animal. It just, it just, the strength was something, and the, and the personality. There was a personality to it. So it really stuck with me. And the second was uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, who was uh, Cassius Clay at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I met Muhammad um, when I was just new in, in, in the New York scene. And uh, I was with a mutual broadcasting company, and we were um, uh, broadcasting um, one of, uh, um, by then he was, he was Muhammad Ali, one of his fights with, um, I, I believe it was the return fight with Sonny Liston. And so we were in, in a big circle with a bunch of people, uh, at Tuchor's restaurant uh, for a press meeting. 
And um, so I was listening to people who were talking about um, uh, the champ, and and um, and and I heard this voice behind me saying, um, that, "That guy's a bum. That guy's a bum." And I turned around, and, and it was Tutsui. And I guess that was a, a a phrase of affection from Toots. If he called you a bum, it meant that he he, liked he really liked you. And Muhammad Ali was standing next to me at the time, much bigger than I thought he was, and absolutely um, uh, like a Greek god. He was chiseled, mm-hmm. a good-looking guy. The physique, the sense of humor, the personality to it, uh, that combination, that's star power. And star power creates fans. And star power is, uh, is one of the reasons we become uh, fans of sports. We, we fall in love with personalities. They aren't all um, secretariats and, and, and uh, Muhammad Ali's. Uh, when I was young, uh, uh, and this is back in the, uh, in the 40s, my heroes were uh, the Yankees and, and Joe DiMaggio. Notre Dame and Johnny Lujak, the quarterback, and Joe Lewis, because we listened to them on the radio whenever we could. Mm. And obviously with the Yankees and with Joe Lewis, that was just about every time. And, and Notre Dame got a lot of national radio coverage at the time. But those are the people that, that uh, motivated me to be a big sports fan. It was those stars and what they did. So I mean, I don't think anybody can argue with uh, Muhammad Ali and Secretariat. Those are two pretty awesome, iconic, definitely two of the iconic American sports figures or global sports figures of all time. So mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can have any qualms or, or arguments with, oh, with those choices. It may not be for everybody, but you're asking the ones that I met yeah. and that I that I personally was, and, and I've met. Um, a lot of pro football players who are pretty impressive, yeah. uh, you know, in locker rooms or something like this. These are big, strong guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Lawrence Taylor would be one. Yeah. I mean, when you figure that he ran almost as fast as Secretariat, it was a little <laughs> difficult to, uh, uh, to, but, but, so from the point of view of personality and, and, and the, and the physique, the, the, impact on, uh, on me, uh, those were the, those were the two biggest ones. I mean, that's just incredible that you had the opportunity to meet those two, like, really icons. And, I mean, icons doesn't even really do them justice because they really – the personality goes beyond the the game or the competition. And I think that's what makes all of us fall in love with sports. Obviously, it's fun to see your team score. It's fun to see, see your team stop the other team or, or whatever it might be or – I mean, win the race or, or however, you know, however the, the grading of the sport might work. But it's the personalities of the players. It's seeing the, the joy of them high-fiving or chest-bumping or doing handshakes or when Muhammad Ali used to float, talk about floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. Like, it's those moments. That's what made Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali, right? The, the personality, the way he talked, the way he carried himself. And that's what makes... Sports figures today, that's what makes us love them. It's not just <clears throat> scoring touchdowns or running fast, right? Yeah, it's, but remember, um, both of those figures were champions. They were. They, they were. were champions. And you they, have to be and, a champion and, and you have to have the personality. I mean, yes, all of, all of that. So that, 
um, one of the, um, I got it because of what my job was. I um, had an opportunity to um, personally meet um, some of my heroes. And um, uh, at a Baseball Hall of Fame um, ceremony, uh, there's a, a golf tournament that's held um, every year now. And I think it was this is the first golf tournament that was held up there. Um, not sure about that, but I think it was. And uh, Bowie Coon knew that I was, with the commissioner of baseball, he knew that I was a big fan of Joe DiMaggio's. Mm-hmm. So when I showed up to play golf um, uh, up in Cooperstown, um, I found out that my partner was Joe DiMaggio. Oh, my gosh. And and um, the other two people that were uh, in the foursome were a gentleman that helped create the Hall of Fame and Duke Snyder from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. But Joe and I got to ride the car together, and so yeah. we got to spend about um, you know three hours, three to four hours together on the golf course and um, and um, uh, so that was a big thrill for yeah. me. And 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 we when we talked, we talked about his career. We talked about you know what I was doing back and forth, and the fact that um, he was Italian and I was Italian was a good thing. And he knew that I followed him, you know, yeah. from when I was a young kid and all that. So it was it was a great experience for me. And um, and um, and and so we had had a had a fun fun afternoon. I certainly sure, did. I hope Joe did. We we by the way did win the tournament. Okay. So wow, that's <laughs> that a made it that, that, that made it even better. Yeah. Oh wow. You're still listening to I'm Open Lookout next week for episode 42 featuring an awesome surprise guest. And follow us on Instagram at I'm Open underscore pod. There's something we have to do every single show before we say goodbye. That is to recognize our mask off performer of the week. That goes to someone who has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves this week. Of course, this segment is an honor of future. Thank you so much, future. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. So this week, we are mixing it up a little bit here on I'm Open. And the Mask Off performer is actually myself and my guest. Dick Brescia is my grandfather. And Grampy, a lot of these I'm Open fans in the I'm Open family around the world have you to thank for getting to listen to this podcast every day because you helped plant the seed in me. You were very responsible for for helping to spark that intense passion that I have for sports today. And you took me to my very first... professional football game uh did you know at the time that i was uh could you tell that i was this passionate about it when you took me to my first giants game that was back in uh, east rutherford new jersey in the old meadowland stadium uh well i think your father had something to do with it probably a little, little, yeah. little probably a little more than i did but um uh, yes, I did. I, I did know that you were going to become um, a fanatic. Uh, and uh, uh, for those who weren't present at the time, which would include just about everybody who's listening, 
I had become pretty friendly with the owner of the Giants and his wife, Wellington and Ann Mara. And I told Wellington that I was bringing my son and grandson to the game. And Wells said, well, you've got to bring them up to, to Ann's um, uh, owner's box mm. to, um, uh, to, so he can see what it's like there. And um, so um, your first look at a, a football game was from the owner's box of the New York Giants. Um, well, never sat with Ann during the game. He sat across the uh, the field on the other side. Um, but Ann sat with all friends of the family and and members of the family. Yeah. And and she welcomed you in when she wow. knew she knew what you know what I was doing when I was when I was yeah. bringing you guys in, and she wanted us to stay in the um, in the uh, owner's box for the game. Oh, wow. I mean, oh, yeah. She wanted us to stay, but uh, both your father and I said, no, 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 he's got to, he's got to be in the stands with the fans. Yeah. And uh, I remember we went down there, and uh, we had a bunch of friends that we, we had suffered through some bad games and seasons with the Giants. And what, this would have been like, what, 95? How old was I at the time? Maybe Three or four? No, you were about four or five okay. years old, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, we were around five. Um, because you were asking me questions about players. And one of the guys that always sat behind us leaned over to me um, while you were eating popcorn or something, and he said, how old is this kid? And I said, he's five. He said, he knows that much about the Giants, and he's five years old? I said, well, he's been trained well. What like what type of question? What was I asking you about? Oh, you were asking me about, um, you know, does I'm I'm trying to think of who the, who the Giants had <laughs> maybe at the time. Jason Seahorn or might have been, no, I don't know. Jesse been, Armstead, it, maybe. It might have been Joe Pasarczyk. I'm not sure, <laughs> but um, at any rate, you knew the players, and you were asking, um, you know, which number is so and so, and and um, and and did he come from Notre Dame or did you so you knew the background on it for a five year old so you would become a fanatic at a very young age yeah wow I mean <clears throat> I, I guess some some habits die hard right and when you a five year old you know breaking down uh, cover two defenses or whatever looking at the Giants well the, I think I think the, um, the, the interesting thing about that season was um uh, the Giants won that game that you came to the first round. I don't know if you remember that or not, uh, but you won that no. game. And then I don't know if you came up for a second game that year, if it was once a year that you came up. But all I know is for the first four games that you came up, the Giants won. Every single time. And I would I would always call Wellington at his office the next day and say, um, we brought David up and he won another game for you. And he said... What's he doing next week? <laughs> but for four games in a row, the um, uh, that that you were present with your father, and 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 I think um, it may have been Graham with me, or it might have been Dick Ryan, who you may remember, mm-hmm. um, at the game. And uh, uh, but Wellington got a kick out of the fact that you were that young and you were a good luck charm for the for the team. Well, I guess I, w- I mean, hey, it feels good to be a good luck charm for anybody, and. Those are memories that I I really cherish, especially being a young kid, especially in the old Giant Stadium. Yeah. Going to those games, going through the big tunnel before the games, and especially how, you know, my dad and I would, would basically spend the whole day driving up to, to from D.C. to tailgate and meet you in New Jersey. And then, uh, 
and then cheer on our Giants. I mean, there's really nothing that can replace the, those moments and shouting defense together. And obviously, uh, that's you know, I can't I can't kick the habit to this day. So I obviously it's ingrained deeply ingrained in me. Well, I'm sure that uh, the the Giant family would welcome you back if you're going to bring another winning streak to them. Yeah, I wish I could bring my good luck charm back to them. They need it this year, don't they? Yes, they do. The last couple of years. Well, it has been such a pleasure and such an honor having you here on the I'm Open podcast. Um, This has just been an awesome episode. I know we've learned a lot. We've heard some awesome stories. And, you know, we all just really appreciate it. Is there anything you would like to say uh, to the to the listeners around the world uh, before before we sign off here? Um, I would just say um, um, keep listening to David's um, um, podcast here and, um, and, and see who he's going to come up with next. Well, thank you so much. There's right. no better endorsement than, than the one you heard right there. And uh, this, is, this has been such, so much fun. Thanks again. And I uh, look forward to getting you back in the studio again soon so we, can, so we can listen to some more stories. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to I'm Open. We hope you had almost as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give us a rating. Write us a review. Tell a friend to listen to the show. And follow us on Instagram at open underscore pod. Everybody have a great night, and don't forget to stay open.